Hello, everyone. Today on another episode of the Mind Maladies podcast, we have Dr. Emily Harrows. She is an associate professor at the Center for American Indian Health at the Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health. Her research mainly focuses on suicide prevention, particularly within indigenous populations and other minority groups, which will be the subject of today's podcast. Is there anything else you'd like to add, Dr. Harris? No, thanks so much for having me. Excited to be here. So today we're going to be discussing, as I mentioned, suicide in indigenous and minority groups. Could you explain why you got into this field of study? Yeah, I um, had been interested in cross-cultural differences in mental health. Um, And so that led me to thinking carefully about how culture really affects mental health, including suicide. Um, And as I started to explore that internationally, I also started to learn more about that and indigenous populations here in the United States and learned a lot about sort of the, the large health disparities um, related to mental health and suicide in particular in indigenous groups. And um, just was compelled basically because of um, just the devastating loss this happened and sort of the repercussions when someone dies by suicide that can happen in a community and family and thinking about how I could work to, to use my research skills to make a difference in that area. Mm-hmm. So how do suicide rates differ between the whole U.S. population and just between indigenous and other minority groups? Yeah, so um, American Indian or Alaska Native um, populations here in the United States have the highest suicide rates of any racial or ethnic group. Um, And suicide rates sort of overall in the U.S. had been rising up until about 2019, actually, when we started to see a decrease in 2019 and 2020. And suicide rates in the U.S. population in general are about um, about 14 uh, to 15 per 100,000 people. Um, but in American Indian or Alaskan Natives, it's quite substantially higher. Um, some estimate it that it's um, uh, the age-adjusted rate Um, is about 23.9 per 100,000 in 2020. And um, similar to the way we've seen COVID impact, um, disproportionately impact indigenous or or racial and ethnic groups, while suicide rates did decrease in 2019, 2020, there's some preliminary evidence that seems to indicate that they actually increased in American Indian Indian or Alaskan Native communities. Um, as well as in Black or African-American um, populations as well. So overall, we're seeing sort of large disparities, particularly among Indigenous groups. Um, and there's further age-related disparities as well. So suicide in, in Native com- um, populations really concentrates in youth. Um, and so it concentrates in sort of the teenage years versus um, older adult years in other populations, like white populations. Um, and when that happens, you know, those are young people who we really care about and are really important to their communities and their survival of, of peoples and their tribes and um, making sure that we um, that there's programs in place that can address that large burden among youth is really important. The other thing I will say is there's really been a lot of um, emphasis lately about um, really preteen suicide in black youth. And really focusing on thinking about how, um, sorry, there's been an increase among Black uh, preteen youth suicide 
that some colleagues have found in the published literature. And really, um, there's been a congressional report about this called Ring the Alarm, which is really focused on how do you address these concerns in these in Black um, or African-American populations in particular, particularly for these very young kids. So what are some proposed explanations that offer to explain this disparity between groups? For example, is it something in the environment, in their cultural expectations that make the suicide rates differ this much? I think the biggest driver that I would point to is a concept known in the literature as historical trauma, but really it's the legacy of colonization and ongoing discrimination and racism that kind of perpetuates these rates over time. So if you think about sort of families and sort of the re- how we pass down stories or pass down um, traditions, you know, at the same time when your grandparents or the grandparents before you have faced colonization, discrimination, forced forced relocation, forced boarding school attendance, that those experiences in a family really have lasting ripple effects. And I think this concept of historical trauma being a major driver uh, of suicide rates, particularly in indigenous communities, but not not isolated to indigenous communities is one that I think is kind of understudied and underspecified for other groups. So I think that's a big driver of these rates. The other thing that sort of, I would say is um, when you lose your culture, I think that's a, that has a profound impact on people. And, you know, again, with this sort of historical drama, trauma, there was a lot of forced um, assimilation through these boarding school, the boarding school era here in the United States. And the boarding school era is when Native um, kids were taken from their families and placed at boarding schools far away. And um, their hair was cut and they were not allowed to practice their traditions or their cultural beliefs. And so just sort of the, the legacy of losing your culture and those connections to your culture is really important. And a lot of um, indigenous groups here in the United States would point to culture really as the basis for healing many of the, the health disparities that exist right now. So how, in terms of treatment, how is machine learning, which is something that I saw and that was interesting in your research, how is that being employed in Native American communities for those at high risk for suicide? Yeah, so we've been doing some work on developing machine learning based risk prediction algorithms. So, you know, machine learning model can, can produce sort of a probability of some type of outcome. And in suicide risk, we're often interested in sort of identifying those that are very um, at higher risk of maybe uh, an attempt or some, or even possibly a dying by suicide. And so um, these algorithms are really just mathematical equations that run sort of based on data collected on people or individuals um, produce a probability that says, hey, this person might is kind of has a lot of risk factors that make them likely to have risky behaviors in the future. We should we should pay attention to them and offer them more services. And um, these machine learning algorithms have been developed in the Veterans Administration and in um, large health systems, but there haven't ever been any specific to in indigenous populations or native communities. And, and so we started to think about, well, there could be some really substantial differences. So you take this mathematical model that was developed largely with white or Hispanic populations and you say, is it really the same risk factors that go into that model or is it something different? And 
So we started to explore whether it could be something different and develop really specific models that could tell us whether individuals and in our services that we provide, that our teams provide are at higher risk. And so we looked at data, created a model that now says this person's at higher risk or not. And that's actually not just, we didn't just create a model to create a model, but our teams now are able to sort of focus on the most high risk of their populations they provide services to and really try and track those people down and find them and provide them with the best services that are available in the area to to help reduce the risk for those most in need. So similarly to what you're saying, how the machine learning algorithm has to be adjusted accordingly to the group because of disparities within the communities. Would the services also have to be altered in some way? Like what services are offered to these indigenous groups? Yeah, definitely. So there are many services out there. I mean, but very few are kind of culturally congruent or culturally acceptable. And so a lot of researchers have been working in this space really in close, close partnership with communities themselves to make either adaptations to existing mental health services. So For example, cognitive behavioral therapy might be an approach that people have used to address underlying depression or reduce suicide risk. Um, But are all of the activities and and ingredients of that cognitive behavioral therapy appropriate in indigenous communities? And so there's a lot of adaptation work that happens, including work through like meeting with community advisory boards or doing even having medicine men or um, other sort of spiritual leaders really comment on the, the information in those in those interventions. And so our team has done a fair number of interventions that address suicide risk. There's been one that was a universal inter- intervention. So this is the idea that you can deliver this to anybody and you build strength and well-being and resilience. And ultimately that then can reduce risk over time. And those are that's sort of connection to elders and teaching cultural values is a school-based universal curriculum that's been piloted and, and studied. And then other examples might be doing more of the risk reduction interventions, such as that really target individuals at high risk, such as um, doing some cognitive behavioral therapy or safety planning um, and those types of interventions that might help people already at that are at very high risk of suicide. So what other technologies are also being looked at and might come into play to predict suicide risk within communities? Yeah, so uh, a fair number of hospitals now use universal screeners, which are small, short screening tools where they ask several questions to a patient, or these could be administered in school as well, that that produce some sort of level of risk calculation. So um, the most common one right now is the ASK, which is the ASQ, which is five questions that assesses um, near-term suicide risk, and that's used in hospitals. And then other hospitals are using the Columbia Suicide Risk Screener, um, which is, again, used in many of these healthcare settings to sort of identify those at risk. And these are brief tools that are administered to the patients. They've never been validated in indigenous communities. I think there's there's no validation in Black or African-American-specific communities as well, which means when I say no validation, it's never been like tested that this mm-hmm. actually works in these communities. Um, and the last thing I will say is that 
at least antidotally, there's been some concern about sort of the directness and the cultural appropriateness of asking these these instruments. Um, so they they ask very direct questions about your thoughts and feelings and your past behavior. And some of those questions have been felt to be a little culturally insensitive, um, and, which pres presents a challenge for asking those types of questions. So could the ASK or the, I believe, CSSRS, um, how could the questions on those um, rating scales kind of be modified in a way to fit Indigenous groups or minority groups? Yeah, I would say that the number one place to start would be to work with um, with people from the community and the, the, the sort of cultural advisors in the community to talk about how to reword them in ways that uh, both retain the meaning of the question, but also are sensitive. Um, for instance, there's a question sometimes on those that says, I wish I was dead. Um, and that is very, uh, that's been taken as very sort of alarming at times and so you might say like i wish i was not alive or work with the population themselves to really try and figure out what's the right and appropriate wording there so is the diction like deemed to be culturally inappropriate to the indigenous groups because of their cultural beliefs and it just doesn't align with them yeah i think uh there's a lot of variability so i wouldn't say that about like every indigenous group but i think the ones yeah, yeah right. um the ones where we've worked that sort of directness of um mentioning death in that kind of way can feel unsettling so what other measures a lot of these tackle both a little bit of short-term and long-term preventative measures but what other measures can be taken i want to emphasize long-term change because that's what matters and for the future right so what measures can be taken to tackle long-term change good question i wish i had the magic answer to this um right. but i think i think again going back to sort of what i've heard my indigenous colleagues say and um when i've worked with the communities i work with i think there's great hope in um restoring or um, reconnecting with one's culture and traditions and who they are um, and finding that grounding in their community. So there are a number of programs out there that are really aimed at promoting that connection to others in the community, as well as um, one's culture and traditional practices. And when studies have looked at that, um, not necessarily related to suicide so much, but lots of other outcomes and and some evidence for suicide is that when people feel more connected and more engaged in their culture cultural beliefs and traditions that that can be protective and so mm -hmm. i think that's a big finding and something that we continue to sort of work towards is thinking about culture really as medicine and how do you how do you build programs around that or or help people connect with that that's the super important part is making sure they feel at home and connected with the people around yeah. them before you even try to inflict any change. Definitely. And we have a small study we're working on right now that's um, really geared at at making people feel connected and less alone. So many of the leading theories about suicide relate to sort of um, a lack of interpersonal connection and support. And so we have a study really focused on um, sending caring text messages or caring contacts. This is, and this is a kind of widely 
use prevention intervention and suicide um, prevention that was focused that originated from um, James Motto, who sent postcards to people after discharge from the hospital after a suicide attempt. And those postcards really just had simple things like, hey, this is your care team. We're thinking of you. Hope you're doing well. And But they sent them at regular intervals, and they really showed that they could reduce um, uh, reduce risk over time. And that, that program called Caring Context has been replicated not just in the United States, but internationally as well. And there's a, a big ongoing study um, in some of the Western indigenous uh, contexts to focus on um, studying the impact of that. And we have a small scale study that's looking at sort of that combined with um, safety planning as a tool to promote um, mental well-being and reduce risk for suicide. Right. That sounds like it should definitely be the first step in preventing any kind of suicide risk. Showing that there's people that care about you is definitely something that can lower this risk and is one should be one of the first steps. To yeah, it. no, that's great. And then the other thing I'd just say about um, other sort of intervention approaches, rather not just like culture as medicine and promoting that connection, but I think the last thing is, is really thinking about structural changes. So mm-hmm you know, funding for mental health care, fixing our mental health system, funding to support um, Indigenous, Black, Hispanic um, mental health providers in their education and sort of creating that will be will uh, make large improvements on this area over time. The reality is like we have all these kind of structural barriers that create these inequalities and we really need to be thinking about how to how to change that as well. Yeah. The structure of these institutions and the way all these institutions were created, everything goes against minority groups, like you mentioned. Yeah, exactly. One final thing I like to leave my listeners with is how can stigma surrounding suicide prevention, but not only in minority groups, but in the general population, be decreased? I think talking to people um, who have experience loss or have even um, experienced feeling that um, feeling themselves at risk is is always helpful um, really trying to sympathize and empathize with people and what they've gone through in some ways I think um, but I think it's tricky with suicide there's some level of stigmatization that can actually help prevent it at times so it's sort of this walking balance. The other thing I will say is I think suicide risk in some places is still criminalized worldwide. And that that really needs to go away. People need to be able to feel open about it and talk about it and all that stuff. So we need to have support lines. We need to have resources where people can call. Um, we need to break down the barriers of reaching out for help. But we need to be really careful, like you can see in, in media or publications like that, when we um, don't carefully report on suicide or um, take precautions that way, um, that that can actually cause some harm. So there's lots of great groups like focused on this. Um, the Suicide Prevention Resource Center is one. AFSP, American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, is another and those groups are putting out really helpful, comprehensive dialogues on how do you report on um, individuals that die of suicide? How do you um, do that in a responsible way that won't necessarily promote um, something sometimes referred to as contagion in this world in, in suicide prevention? 
Um, and at the same time, we need to increase accessibility of services and openness so that people feel comfortable talking about it to, in a safe way with people that are trained to hear it. So I think it's what you said about talking about it is definitely a really important part of it. And I remember one of the first, or something that reminded me, it's reminded me of something I read in school a couple of years ago. It was a book called The Absolutely True Diary of a Part-Time Indian um, by Sherman Alexie. It was a book talking about a boy in this Native American tribe who it talked about the struggles of it actually addressed suicide within Native American groups. And I thought that, that was one of like the first time that I was exposed to something like that, especially as like being a freshman in high school. Um, so I think and it also talked about like the like oppression and like discrimination he's facing at school. Um, so I think talking about it and books like those are great for exposing these kind of problems to the general public. So I think that's definitely one of the first steps that needs to be taken. Yeah, I would recommend there's a good show on FX called Reservation. Oh, it's on Hulu. Reservation Dogs. Have you heard of that? I've not. Um, It's a show created by um, a native screenwriter and um, a writer. And it's great and it it addresses um suicide as well in a um there's a i think one of the episodes in the first season that addresses it um it's about a group of young kids who live on a reservation and they deal with it in, um, in terms of grieving their friend and so i would just also you know recommend that to others it's a great show for many different yeah. reasons but sort of respectfully addresses this issue as well within the context of the show mm-hmm. Yeah, so all these media depictions of um, indigenous groups and suicide within these communities is definitely a good first step in decreasing. Definitely. And and promoting awareness. Yes, of course. I think that's all I have for you today, Dr. Harrows. Um, Is there anything else you'd like to add? No, that was great. Thanks so much for having me, Jashan. Yeah, of course. It's been a pleasure having you. Yeah, talk to you soon. Take care. Thank you guys for listening. Make sure you check out the link in the description to the Mind Maladies website. See you guys in the next episode.